All right, turn your Bibles to the book of James chapter 1, please, this morning. James chapter 1. We're going to continue the series on words, and today I'm, I'm calling uh, uh, the title of the message is Just Do It. All right, just do it. All right, we, we know this, where the slogan comes from. Every single person knows this slogan, uh, 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 but, but uh, it's, it's a great slogan. It's a, uh, uh, you know, I don't think uh, uh, Phil Knight got this out of the Bible when he decided to uh, uh, call it for his company. But at the same time, uh, what we're going to look at today, it's basically going to come down to, are you going to be a Christian that, that theorizes things? Are you going to be a Christian that debates things? Are you going to be a Christian that uh, just, uh, um, you know, uh, piles up knowledge upon knowledge upon knowledge? Are you going to be a Christian that just fills up notebook after notebook after notebook? Are you going to be a Christian that attends one meeting after another after another? Or are, is there going to come a time in your life when you are just going to do it. All right? James chapter 1 and verse 22. It says, but be, come on, but be, come on, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Now think about it. It, He doesn't say that someone else is deceiving you. It doesn't say that the, the devil is coming uh, to steal the word from you. It's, it's, this is not even one of those cases where the enemies come to steal the word. You still have the word. You know, in Mark chapter 4, it talks about the sower sows the word, and the devil comes in different ways to steal the word that has been sown in our hearts. But here, it doesn't say that. It simply says, don't deceive yourself. In the, in the New Living Translation, the same verse It reads it this way. It says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Turn to your neighbor and say, do it. Come on, turn to the other one and say, do it. See, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. You're fooling yourselves. I'm fooling myself if I think, okay, I'm coming to church, I'm listening to the word, or I went to this prayer meeting, and if we think that's the, that, that's the extent of our ministry or, or uh, Christian life, if we think that's where life is, then we are fooling ourselves. And so for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the importance of words. We've been understanding the authority that God has given to us in the words that we speak. We understand that death and life are in the power of the tongue. We also understand that God has a great plan for our lives, but ultimately that he gives you and me the power of choosing. So in Deuteronomy 30 and verse 19, we saw what the Bible says, that he places death and life before us. He places blessing and cursing before us. And then he says, choose life that you and your descendants may live. And we understand now from everything that we've learned over the past few weeks that one of the ways we choose life on a daily basis is through the words we choose to speak. Amen? And so knowing all of the things that you have learned, I want you to understand and ask yourself the question, but am I applying these things in my life? Because if you're not, then even after the series ends, the life will not change. And I'm not interested in just preaching sermons. I'm not interested in just finishing up series. I am interested in seeing people's lives changed. Amen? All right. Turn with me to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. See, simply listening to truth doesn't change our life. 
It begins the process of change. Acting on the word. That's what changes lives. The Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. That knowing is not just the accumulation of knowledge. That knowing is you getting to a point where you interact with the truth of the word of God, not just listening to it, but you interact with the truth of the word of God to get to the place you know that you know that you know that you act on the word. You know that you know that you know that you act on the word. You see, there have been uh, uh, thousands of people that, that lived during the time of Jesus, thousands of people that even listened to the preachings of Jesus, and yet not everyone followed him. So they knew the truth. From an information standpoint, they knew the truth, but they did not interact with the truth. They did not wrestle with the truth. They did not let it renew their minds. They did not let it get into their hearts. You see, the rich young ruler, he came to Jesus. He says, how do I gain eternal life? How do I do this? And he says, uh, and Jesus says, well, you know the law and, and, you know, keep all the law. And he says, well, I've kept it from my youth. Two things. Number one, Jesus only said, you know, it is by keeping the law because he was still living under the Old Testament. And so he was referring to that. We understand. We don't get eternal life by keeping the law. Amen? amen. Come on, I said, amen. amen. Okay, we, how do we get eternal life? By believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. All right? Now that we know that, now the, the rich young ruler, he says, I have kept all of these things from my youth. Number one, he was lying. Because it is impossible for anyone to keep the law perfectly. And the first thing is, now, now we, know that, that we know that he was lying because, and he was not telling the truth, because right after this, when Jesus says, sell all of that that you have and, and, and follow me, he was not able to do it, which means God was not first in his life. There was some, something else that was taking place in, in, in his life. Right? So money had a higher place in, in his life then, than God. Are you understanding that? And so when we understand the, the, these uh, truths, and when we see, you, you see throughout Scripture that the people heard truth, but it didn't change their lives. The rich young ruler's life was not changed. What happened? He left the presence of Jesus dejected even after hearing the truth. So whose lives were changed? The people that heard the words of Jesus and then acted on the words of Jesus. See, Jesus also said to the disciples, leave everything you have, come follow me. And what did they do? They left everything they had and they followed him. Life was changed. He, saw, he speaks to the rich young ruler. He says, sell everything that you have, come follow him. He doesn't act on the word. What happens? Nothing happens. Are we understanding that? All right, James chapter 3 and verse 2. It says, For we all often stumble and fall and offend in many things. And if anyone does not offend in speech, never says the wrong things, he is fully developed, he, has, he is a fully developed character and a perfect man, able to control his whole body and to curb his entire nature. So what the Bible is saying is that if you are a person that can control the words that come out of your mouth, you are a person that can control your entire body and you can even control your nature. See, that means 
Every single one of you that wants to see some kind of change in your life. Pastor, I get so angry all the time with the people in my family. I get frustrated all the time. You know, I worry all the time. I do, you know, whatever it is that you want to change in your life. The Bible is saying that if you can control the words that come out of your mouth, you can not only control your body, but you can also control your very nature. That means you can transform yourself into the one that you want to become based on what you decide to say and not say in your life. Now, how many of you believe that? Okay, three people. All right, let me ask one more time. How many of you believe that? Okay, more people. Now, we've, that's the word of God. That's not my statement. That's not my thinking. That's not a theory. It is the word of God. And so if we know that that's what the word of God says, then we better pay attention to the words that we speak. So we also need to understand that when we see and go through certain things in our life and say, man, I missed it again. Man, I'm getting upset so quickly. Man, I'm worrying so quickly in spite of the Bible telling me not to worry. Man, I, 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 I gossip all the time in spite of me knowing that I should not gossip. Man, I get offended all the time in, even though I should not be getting offended. You know, wh whatever the case may be, then you have to say, wait a minute. The Bible says that if I can control my tongue, that means I can change vibration my very nature I can change my nature so it is not just me coming to the pastor and saying pastor please pray for me so that I will not get angry pastor please pray for me so that I will not worry about the issues of life yes you can get prayed by the pastor yes you can ask a brother or sister in Christ to also pray for you but at the end of the day you've got to come back and say wait wait a minute what does the word of God say about this what is what is the ways of the kingdom of God what is the wisdom of God regarding this See, a lot of times when we ask for prayer, we just do this because we've been trained to ask for prayer for everything. The question that we need to ask ourselves is, what's the wisdom of God regarding this situation? How do I handle this situation? I know what they said about me, but how do I handle it? I know I'm going through this financial loss, but how do I handle it? What's the wisdom of God? Not just simply saying, God, I, I'm, I'm in so much financial loss, so please bless me. So please give me the job. So please gi give me profit in my business. I'm not saying don't pray. I'm not saying don't ask. But the important thing is the Bible says wisdom is the principal thing. Wisdom is the principal thing. See, sometimes the worst thing that can happen to you is that God actually gives you the money or, or you, you, you get the money that you've been praying for. You know why? Or, or whatever, it's not just with money. You know, whatever else you're dealing with. You know why? Because if your wisdom and knowledge doesn't change, the same wisdom that got you into the problem will get you into the problem again. Are you understanding that? See, only when you increase in the wisdom of God and you start applying the wisdom of God, you will not repeat the same mistakes again in your life. So it's not just saying, God, rescue me from this. God, give me the blessing. God, give me this job. Give me the promotion. It's not just about that. Saying, Lord, what's the wisdom? What's the way of the kingdom of God? Remember, we said there are ways of the kingdom of God. We are already in the kingdom of God. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you have already been transformed and translated into the kingdom of God. But then now you have to understand that there are ways of the kingdom of God. And now you've got to develop in the ways of the kingdom of God. Amen. Look at Matthew chapter 10 and verse 32. Matthew chapter 10. Matthew 10 and starting from verse 32. 
It says, therefore, whoever confesses me before men, I, uh, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Now, I'm about to make a statement that might seem controversial, that might seem like, what are, what are you talking about? But I'll back it up with a bunch of scriptures today. All right? So here's the statement. What you say out of your mouth has more weight in your life than anyone else's words, including God. I'll say that again. What you say out of your mouth, what you say out of your mouth has more weight in your life than what anyone else says including God, including God, all right, so let's look at the Bible, Matthew chapter 12, all right, let, let, let's look at Matthew 10 again, Matthew 10 verse 32 says, therefore whoever confesses me before men, him I also will confess before my father who is in heaven but whoever denies me before men him i will also deny before my father who is in heaven so who is the deciding factor you and i are the deciding factor god loved us god provided a way for salvation but he does not decide who decides you and i decide so he says whatever you do the choice you make according to that i'm going to do it's not it's not i'm going to decide and whatever you do it doesn't matter my decision remains that's not what it says see again that any single any time you you're uh, confused with a concept in the bible or truth always go back to salvation that's the easiest way to get your wrap your mind around a particular truth we know that the bible says that god doesn't like to see anyone perish God does not rejoice in anyone dying without salvation. God does not rejoice. He did not create. Hell was not created for human beings. He has no pleasure in sending human beings to hell. And yet every single day, you and I know that there are people that are destined to hell and that are moving towards hell. So there's the will of God. And yet there's the grace of God that gives you the ability to choose the life that you want to live. And so now Jesus says, if you confess me before men, then I will confess you before my father. If you deny me, then I will have to deny you. Are you understanding that? All right. Matthew chapter 12, verse 36 and 37. It says, but I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. 37. For by your words you will be justified. By your words you will be condemned. By whose words? Your words. Not God's word. Your words. Now, what is God's plan? Is, is there a desire in the heart of God that people should be condemned? Come on. Is there a, a will in the heart of God that says, I want a group of people to be condemned forever? No. The heart of God is that people might come to know him, that we would be reconciled to him. And yet he says, 
by your words. You will be justified. Now, who made the provision for justification? Jesus. If, if Jesus never died on the cross, if his blood was never shed, you and I will, could never have been justified before God. But even though he made a provision, now he says, by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. Even though he made a provision for justification. Are you understanding that? All right. Let's look at a couple of other scriptures. Luke chapter uh, 19, verse 22. Luke 19 and verse 22. In the New King James, it says, And he said to him, Out of your own mouth I will judge you, you wicked servant. Out of your own mouth, which means based on what you are saying, I will judge you. Look at it in the New Living Translation. It says, you wicked servant, the king roared. Your words, your own words condemn you. Whose words? It was not the king's words. He says, your own words condemn you. All right? See, we have to be conscious of the fact that we are made in the image of God and that God has given us the ability to choose our life based on the words we speak. You've got to be conscious of that every single moment. You've got to let this truth get into your, uh, into your heart, into your life, into your very being. It needs to permeate every part of your being to the, to the degree that every single time you speak about anything going on in your life, you speak in line with the word. You speak in line with the word, right? Hebrews chapter three and verse one. I told you, I'll give you a bunch of scripture today to make sure you understand what the word of God says about you. Hebrews chapter three and verse one says, therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest. He's talking about the apostle and high priest. Who is that? Jesus Christ. He says, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession. Everyone say confession. Our confession. Now, in the King James, it says the same thing, but instead of confession, it uses the word profession. Profession. Now, the word confession simply means to speak the same thing over and over again. To speak the same thing over and over again. To say the same thing over and over again, no matter what it looks like. To never change your mind about a, a, an issue once you have decided on that issue. Now, he says that this is your profession. Now, if, if someone walks up to you tomorrow and say, hey, uh, what's your profession? You tell them about the job that you currently have, right? And here, the Bible says, the writer of Hebrews says, that Jesus Christ, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of your profession or confession Jesus Christ which means he's saying your confession is your job as a Christian your job is to say the same thing your job is to say the same thing what same thing the same thing that Jesus said about the thing that you are worried about the same thing that Jesus said about the situation that you are dealing with your job, because look at it, it says that Jesus is the high priest of your confession. He's the high priest of your profession. What does a high priest do? He, bring, he takes the offering and presents it unto God. 
So when you say the same thing that Jesus said about your situation, what does he do? He takes those words and presents those words to God. Are you understanding this? All right? So when you understand that Jesus is the high priest of every single thing that you are saying, you better pay attention to the words that you are speaking. Amen? Now, what would, I want you to think about this. What would happen in our lives if we only said what God said about us? What would happen in our lives if we only said what God said about us? If we truly believed what God said about us? You see, in the book of Hebrews chapter, let's go to chapter 4, in verse 14. He says, seeing that we have a great high priest. Who is it? Who is our high priest? Jesus, right? So he says, seeing that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. That means don't let it go. Now that you know that we have a great high priest, Jesus Christ, who has gone through the heavens, he says, hold on to your confession. Don't let go of it. it, it I know it might seem tough. I know that things are changing, but don't hold on. Don't, don't let it go. Hold on to your confession. In the Amplified, it says, um, uh, a high priest who has already ascended and passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession of faith in him holding fast to the confession of faith in him our our confession and word should reflect our faith in him and his finished works see every single time you open up your mouth and speak your words that you speak your confession of your mouth should 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 reflect the trust that you have in jesus they should reflect the the trust that you have in his finished work now, what is the finished work? Everything that he has done for you and for me on the cross of Calvary, that represents his finished work for you and for me. And so every single time we speak, we speak trusting that what he said he did, that he really did. So when, when he said by, that, that, that he took upon himself sickness, we believe those words. When the Bible says that he took upon our sins upon him, we believe those words. When he said, I have made a way for you to become the righteousness of God, we believe those words. When, he, when the Bible says that we have been redeemed because of what Jesus has, has done, we believe those words. So how do we hold on to that? That means every single time we're faced with challenges and situations and circumstances in our life, we only say what God has already said about us we only say what God has said about us now we know this is possible because Jesus said I only say what I hear my father say and if Jesus can do it we can do it because of Jesus if Jesus ever did anything you and I can do the same thing because he has given us his spirit amen all right turn your Bibles with me to the book of Exodus and we're going to look at oh, I'm sorry wait wait a minute uh, uh, let me read uh, Hebrews chapter 10 please one more scripture that I want to give you Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23 it says let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful see if our words did not matter 
if it did not matter what we said, if, excuse me, if God was going to do whatever he decided already, then there's no point in the scripture telling us to hold fast to the confession. There's no point. God's going to do anyway. God's going to do what he's decided anyway. So what's the point of holding fast to our confession? Because God's not going to do it anyway. Things are not going to just fall into place anyway. The same verse in, in, in the Amplified, it says, So let us seize and hold fast and retain without wavering the hope we cherish and confess uh, and our acknowledgement of it for he who promised. Who is it that promised us? Jesus, for Jesus who promised is reliable, sure, and faithful to his word. He is sure and faithful to his word. I don't know what you are going through, but I want you to know this morning that he is sure and he is faithful in bringing his word to pass. He is faithful in bringing his word to pass. So even though God is all powerful, he is bound by his word because he decided to be bound by his word. He is all-powerful, no question about that. He can do whatever he wants, no question about that. But he bound himself to his word and he said, I will not do whatever I want to do. When God breaks his word, everything ceases to exist. There's no such thing as God breaking his word. It is impossible for God to break his word. The Bible says the entire universe, the entire creation is held up by the word of God. So if he breaks the word, everything ceases to exist. Are you understanding that? Now, um, Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14. We're going to look at what happened in the life of Israel. How God delivered them from the land of Egypt and wanted to take them into the promised land, the land that flows with milk and honey. And yet, even though that is the will of God, everyone knows that's the will of God. Everyone uh, agrees to the fact that that's what God wanted to see happen in the lives of the Israelites. That's why he delivered them from slavery under the bondage of uh, the Pharaoh in Egypt. Now, look at what it says in uh, Exodus chapter 14 and verse 10. And it says, and when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So, so um, they were very afraid and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, you have taken us away to die in the wilderness. Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Now this is the complaint of the people that just saw the hand of God functioning and working on their behalf. And they saw the Pharaoh telling their people, go your way. After watching all the miracles that God performed in the land while they were in Egypt, they saw the other kids dying and they saw that their children were spared. 
They saw how the water turned, and yet they had drinking water. They saw how the Egyptians suffered, and yet they did not suffer. And now they say, it would have been better to live under the Egyptian rule. Look at what it says in verse, uh, uh, chapter 16. Verse, Exodus chapter 16, verses 2 and 3. Then the whole congregation of Israel, uh, uh, sorry, congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Again, they are complaining. And see, again, by now, what happened? They already crossed. So they saw another mighty move of God. They saw the hand of God deliver them. And yet, now what do they say in verse chapter 16? The whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, pay attention to what they're saying now. Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. Then we sat by the pots of meat and when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Now think about it. It makes no sense what they're saying. There's no sense in what they're saying. Why? Because they were being fed on a daily basis straight from the kitchen of heaven. Every day the meals are arriving. And yet what do they say? It would have been better for us to die in the hands of Pharaoh in the land of Egypt. Then it is for us to come here. See, sometimes if we're not careful, the very things that you were hoping for, the very things that you were believing for, the very things that you were praying for, you walk into those things and now you start complaining, the stupid job that I have. Before you had a job, you were desperate that God would give you a job. And now you say this stupid job and this stupid thing and this stupid bike and this stupid car, this small house that I have to live in. And you were praying for those things before. In certain cases, you might be saying the same thing about your spouse. And at one point, you wanted to get married. Desperately. You're worried that you're, 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 you're passing the quote-unquote age limit. So you started fasting and praying. Now you have the spouse and now you say, it would have been better for me to be single. Hmm? So that's what happens in the life of Israel. They're in the land of bondage. God supernaturally delivers them in such a way that the Pharaoh, the most powerful man on the planet at that time, he says, go. That's not, not, that's not a small thing. When he was telling these people go, he was telling his entire workforce, leave. We'll figure this out. We'll start sweating. We'll start working. That's what he said. For a man that is a pharaoh to say that, it is not a small thing. And he says, go. And they go. And it looks like they're on the brink of death. And again, God splits the water. They walk on dry land, the Bible says. They're on the other side. And what do they go back to? Complaining. Now go to Numbers chapter 13. Let's see if they change their ways. Numbers chapter 13. And starting from verse 25. You know, it, it, 
I would encourage you to read the entire chapter of 13 and 14 when you get home. But again, just for the sake of time, I'm going to rush through this. But starting from verse 25, it says, And they returned from spying out the land for after 40 days and 40 nights. So there are 12 tribes in the nation of Israel, and Moses picks one person from each tribe, and all 12 of them spy out this land that flows with milk and honey, the promised land that they're supposed to enter. And then it goes on to say, keep going, guys. Uh, now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran uh, at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Next verse. Then they told him and said, he went to the land where you sent us. We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey and this is its fruit. Now, the Bible talks about the size of this fruit, that two people had to carry one grape. That's the size of the fruit that you're talking about. So indeed, it is a land that flows with milk and honey. Indeed, it is a land that is promised. Indeed, it is a land of supernatural abundance for them. Go, uh, keep going. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong, the cities are fortified and very large, and moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of, uh, of the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of Jordan. Then Caleb quietened the people before Moses and said, so understand what's happening. The 12 people come, the congregation is there. Moses is there. They're starting to say, hey, this is the fruit. Look at the fruit. This is what we've seen. Uh, uh, you know, it is the way God said. And then there are certain people, they start talking about the fact that, wait a minute, but yeah, yeah, all of that is true. But we saw the descendants of Anak. We saw certain giants in the land. And as they were spewing these words out, Caleb quietens them. Because something's happening. They're talking, they're giving a report of what God has promised to them, but until now things were okay, but now they're moving away from what God said. God never said anything about you having to be afraid of the giants. God never said anything about these people when you see them start fearing them. God only said, that's your land, I've given you the land. So when, it's, when the report is going astray, what does Caleb do? Then Caleb quietened the people before Moses and said, before they could say another word, are you, are you understanding the importance? Before he, they could continue talking their doubt, before they can continue to spewing their fear with the rest of the congregation, he quietens them. Then he says, let us go up at once. In other words, let's go right now. There's, there's no point in discussing. God said it. I've seen it. Let's go for it. He says, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able. Everyone say well able. We are well able to overcome it. What it? Overcome what? Whatever it may be. He does not say we're well able to overcome the giants. Why? Because it didn't matter if it was giants. It didn't matter if it was the wild beasts of the land. It didn't matter if it was art artillery. It didn't matter if it was an army. It didn't matter if it was sea. It didn't matter if it was a thunderstorm. It did not matter. 
So he just calls it it. We're well able to overcome it. What is it? Anything that stops us from possessing the land. He doesn't talk about the giants. We're well able to possess it. Keep going. But the men who had gone up with him said, so there, you, you, you got to have, you got to be careful about who's speaking in your life. Got to be careful about who's speaking in your life. But the men who had gone with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a what kind of report? A bad report, which means the words that they were speaking were giving something out. They gave a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying the land through which we have gone as spies is, the, is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. Keep going. And there, uh, there we saw the giants. The descendants of Anna came from the giants. And we, uh, um, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. Again, foolishness. Foolishness. There was no way they knew what they looked like in the sight of the giants. They didn't talk to the giants. They didn't say, what size do we look like? They didn't have a conversation with the giants. And yet they, they're telling the people. One man says, let's go up. The other guys say, no, 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 we're not able. The people are greater. The land devours. And we look like grasshoppers. They didn't tell them that. God didn't tell them that. The devil didn't tell them that. They told themselves that. God did not tell them that they look like grasshoppers. The devil did not tell them they look like grasshoppers. The enemy did not tell them that they look like grasshoppers. See, for example, in the life of David, uh, 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 Goliath would tell David what he looked like. He said, you, uh, you think I'm a dog? Do you, do you, you know, I will, I, I will do this to you. I will cut you off. I will feed your flesh to the beast. He's telling him. And yet, what did David do? He said, no, no, no. You don't understand. You can say whatever you want. But what I say in my life will determine this battle. And so he says, I come to you in the name of the Lord. Here, it's the very opposite. The enemy did not even tell them they look like grasshoppers. They convinced themselves they look like grasshoppers, and therefore they speak out of their mouth. Whatever you believe in your heart, you confess out of your mouth. You believe, and therefore you speak. And they believe they are grasshoppers, and therefore they said they are grasshoppers. And what were they in their sight? They were grasshoppers. Not because God decided it, not because the devil decided it, but because they decided it. Are you getting that? All right. Continue on to chapter 14. It says, so the congregation lifted up the voices and cried. Why, why are they crying? Because of the bad report that they heard. Because of the fear now that is in their heart. And so the congregation lifted up their voices and cried. And the people wept that night. Keep going. And all the children of Israel complained. Again, going back to the same old routine. They complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt. Did we hear this before? The same old tape. If only fantasizing about the land of slavery. 
I mean, how screwed up should we be to fantasize about the land where you were being beaten black and blue and were working from morning till night and getting nothing? Where your children's destinies are dictated by what the Pharaoh says. And yet they fantasize about going back to that land. And it says, if only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness. Keep going. Why, why has the Lord brought us to this land for, uh, to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should become victims? Would it not have been better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. New plan. Right? Moses is not doing a good job. Caleb comes up with crazy reports. Aaron, not satisfied with him. So now we want a new leader. A leader that will take us back to the land of slavery. Right? Uh, uh, keep going. What, what verse are we in? Verse 5. Uh, then Moses and Aaron uh, uh, fell on their faces before the assembly and the congregation of the children of Israel. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, uh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. It's frustrating to live with people who always complain. It's vexing to live with people who don't believe the promises of God. And they spoke to the congregation of the children of Israel saying, the land we pass through to spy out is, ex is an exceedingly good land. What are they doing? They are holding fast to their confession. The entire nation is against them now. The 10 spies who went with them are against them. What do they say? The land that we spied out is exceedingly a good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land that flows with milk and honey. What are they saying? Come on, come on, guys, don't complain. Be thankful to God. Be thankful for where he has brought you. Remember the days of old. Remember for what it truly was. Not fantasizing about what it was. Remember for what it truly was. You were in sin. You were in depression. You were in all the things the devil had. Now God has delivered you out of it. Stop complaining. You're on the way to the promised land. Don't cut yourself short. You're on the way to the things that God has promised you. Don't complain. Let God delight in who you are. So in other words, he's saying, God is going to delight in us if we believe in him, guys. If we believe in him, not if we complain, but let's believe. And then he goes on to say, only do not rebel against God, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. In other words... They're food for us. In other words, they're a piece of cake. It's not a big deal. We're going to eat them up. We're going to eat them up. It's not going to be a problem. For their protection has departed from them. And the Lord is with who? Come on, say the Lord is with me. Come on, say the Lord is with me. Say, they, he say, they say, the Lord is with us. If God is with us, there should be something that is different about us. There has to be something different about the way in which we believe. 
the way in which we live by faith, the way in which we talk. So he says, God is with us. Do not fear them. For all, and all the congregation said to stone them with stones. The response of the people. So Joshua is trying to get them back. And now they're, they're, they're so far gone, they're ready to stone their leaders. They're ready to put them to death. And the Bible says, now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle meeting before all the children of Israel. Now, uh, again, for a lack of time, let's just jump down to verse 17. It says, and now I pray, let the power of the Lord be great, just as you have spoken, saying the Lord is long-suffering. Be now, be between the, the verses that we skipped from verse 11 through verse 16, God is now upset with the, with the children or the congregation of Israel. And so now Moses is pleading back because God says, I'll destroy these people and you go forth into the land. So verse 17, and now I pray that the power of, of, of my Lord be great, just as you have spoken, saying the Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression. But he by no means clears the guilty. Uh, visiting the iniquity of the fathers to the children of, of the third and fourth generation. Pardon the iniquity of this people, I pray. So Moses is interceding for the people. And he's saying, God, come on, you're long-suffering. You're a God who forgives. And then verse 20, look at uh, verse 20. It says, then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to, come on, according to, whose word? Moses' word. He decides to come down. Says, okay, I've heard enough. You want to stone Je uh, uh, Caleb? You want to stone Joshua? You want a new leader instead of Moses and Aaron that I have set out for you? I've had enough. And Moses says, no, 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 God, you're long-suffering. You're merciful. Pardon these people. Verse 20, I have pardoned according to your word. This does not mean Moses is more powerful than God. What I'm trying to say is God with him being absolutely powerful. A God of all power. There, there is no limit to the power. Of God. Yet he says, I've given you the choice to choose between life and death, blessing and cursing. So he now says, I pardon them, Moses, because of your word. Jump down to verse 24. But my servant Caleb. Because he has a different spirit. Say, I have a different spirit. Say, I have a different spirit. He says, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring him into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. So what happens? The congregation keeps complaining. The congregation says, no, we can't go in. The congregation says, no, the giants are too big. And God says, no, no, okay, you want to speak that way? You get what you say. But my son, Caleb, he's of a different spirit. He has a spirit of faith. 
He believed and therefore he spoke. So he says, with that man, he's going to go into the land that he went to. And that land will be inherited by his descendants. Jump down to verse 28. It says, say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. Just as you have spoken in my hearing, I will do to you. What was the plan of God? That they go into Egypt, uh, sorry, go into the promised land. That they're delivered from Egypt. But now he comes down and says, I wanted this all along for you. But I've heard you. I've heard you. I've heard you. And I've heard you. On one side, what did he hear? See, everyone holds to their confession of faith. Joshua and Caleb were holding fast to the confession that says we're able to possess the land. The rest of Israel was also holding on to a confession. It is better for us to die in the wilderness. That was their confession. And so God says... Whatever you confess, whatever came out of your mouth, whatever came into my ears, I am faithful. See, God is faithful. He is faithful in keeping his word. And what did he say? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So he's faithful. He'll keep your word. See, sometimes we don't understand. We're praying for someone. They're in their 60s, 70s, whatever the case, or 50s, or even 40s. And, 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 and they're in the hospital, and uh, there might be whatever complication, and you're praying, and someone else is praying. Uh, Pastor, why is God not doing anything? Why is you know, this not happening? Why is that not happening? I don't know. I don't know what they said in their 20s. I don't know what they said in their 30s. I don't know what they said on their way to the hospital. I don't know what they were holding on to. I don't know what they were holding on to. You know this in your life. And you know people in your family that always speak negativity when it comes to their health. Always. Always. I am such and such age... What, I, what else can I do? My father had this. What else can I do? My grandfather had this. What else can I do? So when I hit 50s, it's going to happen. When I hit 50s, it's going to happen. When I hit 50s, it's going to happen. When I'm 60, this will happen. When I'm 60, this will happen. When I'm 60, this will happen. What are you doing? You're holding on to a confession. God says, I've heard you. It's come to my ears. I'll be faithful in making sure it comes to pass. And so we say, oh God, save this man. Oh God, heal this man. Oh God, deliver this man. And they die. Now what do we say? God doesn't answer prayers. Really? God doesn't answer prayers? So who answers your prayers? Who's delivered you? Who set you free? Who's protected you all this time? Now you have the audacity to say God doesn't answer prayers? 
Get your mind right. Get your mind right. We've got no audacity to say God doesn't answer prayers. When you say that, you are saying that God is a liar. You're going to stand before God and say that he's a liar? Get your mind right. Get your act together. Who do you think you're talking about? You think you're talking about your boss? Your family member? You're talking about God. When you say that's an accusation about the character of God. God always answers. Always. Always answers. Go to Joshua chapter 14 and I'll close with this. Joshua chapter 14 and starting from verse 6. Some of your Bibles said verse 6, it might say uh, Caleb inherits Hebron. And just for the ta- uh, um, sake of time, now this is 40 years since what we read in Numbers. 40 years later, this is what's happening. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal, and, and Caleb the son of uh, Jephunan and Kezite uh, said to him, You know the word of the Lord, um, sorry, the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. He's reminding Joshua about what was spoken 40 years ago. He says, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. He says, I was 40 years old. I did what the man of God told us to do. Do you remember that, Joshua? I went, I came back. I gave them the report that was in my heart, which means he believed in his heart. And then he says, nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, surely the, Lord, the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive and he said, these 45 years. Which means how old is he now? 85. So since the time he was 40 till he is 85, he never stopped believing for 40 years he was living around people that were complaining he never stopped believing now he says and now behold the Lord has kept me alive and he said these 45 years ever since the Lord spoke his word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness and now here I am this day 85 years old as yet I am as strong this day as I was on the day that Moses sent me, just as my strength was then, 
so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain. On one side, you've got people telling the Lord, telling the leaders, it's better for us to die in the wilderness. Better for us to die in the wilderness. Better for us to die in the wilderness. Complaining, complaining, and complaining a little more. There's this man called Caleb. 45 years later, he says, Joshua, remember those days we spied out the land. You remember what we said? I was full of faith, Joshua. We could have gotten that land. And he says, God has preserved me. 45 years later. And he says, my strength has not even changed. So he says, on my 85th birthday, this is what I'm asking. Give me that out. Give me that mountain. See, I don't know what, what promise you're standing on. But I want you to know God is faithful. God is able. Hold on to the confession. Because what you say matters. What you say matters. So God says, I've given you the land. The people complain. He doesn't change. So 85th birthday, he says, give me this mountain. Of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how... The Anakim were there, and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. Look at what he said. He says, I. He doesn't say we. In Numbers, he says, let us go and possess the land. Now he says, and I shall be able to drive them out. He says, if no one's coming, it's my 85th birthday and I'm going. It's my 85th birthday and I'm going. He says, if no one comes, Joshua, that's fine. I'm going to get this land. God has preserved me. God has made sure my strength doesn't weaken. Verse 13 says, And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, uh, Jehune, as an inheritance. What was promised to this man as when he was in his 40s, God was faithful in making sure it came to pass in his 80s, even though everyone else around him doubted him.
And God was faithful. Just as he was faithful in making sure the people died in the wilderness, he was faithful in making sure Caleb got to the promised land. So Joshua said, now give me this, sorry, Caleb said, give me this mountain. What is it that God has promised you? What is it that you are standing on? See, there's got to come a point in your life and where you say, Lord, give me this mountain. What is your mountain? I don't know. And, and, and for most of the stuff that you're believing God for, it's not even, Lord, give me this. Because we're living after the cross. It's already been given to us. So you need to say, now I take my mountain. Now I take my health. Now I take wisdom. I take peace in my life. I take joy in my family. I take a blessed marriage in my, in, in my life. Whatever it is, I don't know what it is. But you take it by faith. Just like Caleb took it by faith. And I, I, you know, even as a church, I want us to get to the place where we say, God, we take this city. We take this city. We take this city for your kingdom, for your glory, for your honor. Again, 2 Corinthians 4 and 13, it says, And since we have the same spirit of faith, what kind of the spirit of faith? The spirit that Caleb possessed. The, the, the kind of spirit that, that was possessed by the men and women of God of old. Says, Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believed, therefore we speak. We also believe, therefore we speak. Hold fast to what God has said. Don't let go. Don't let the challenges deter you. Don't let the giants move you away from believing what God has said. Don't let what you see in the natural change your report. Continue to believe. And as you believe the right things in your heart, you will speak the right things. So I want to encourage every one of you. Understand this truth. The words you speak have more weight in your life than what anyone else speaks, including God. Including God. God has a plan. God has a purpose. God wants great and mighty things to be done. But you're the deciding factor. You get to decide. You get to choose. So I'm praying that you walk in wisdom, that you choose his ways over your ways. That you choose his path over your path. You choose his wisdom over your wisdom. Amen.